You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 97 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. This is the show for September 2021, even though my show notes say 2020 because I'm an idiot. Anyway, I'm your idiot host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today is a panel who are fabulous in quality, but small in number, which is fine because our news is very high in number. Um, eeny, meeny, ladies first, Alison Sheridan, welcome so very much back to Let's Talk Apple. Lovely to be here, Bart. Yeah, we got a uh, we got a metric trunk load here to go through, don't we? We really do. It's so nice for me to be hosting you. I'm, I'm always on your show. It's, it's nice for me to be <laughs> to be the one introducing you for change. Um, there we go. Joining us for the first time in quite some time is one of Allison's neighbours. The uh, wonderful Adam Christensen is back with us. Hi, Adam. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Neighbors by you know quite a bit, but close enough. Yeah, draw it on a globe. Closer than you are, you and I are. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe maybe the show notes uh, flub on the date is just more wishful thinking. <laughs> Thoughts of a sense. happier time. <laughs> Wait, no, I don't think 2020 was a happier time. Are we still in this junk? <laughs> it can't have been 18 months. Um, I, I was back in the office for the first time in 18 months, almost to the day. Um, yeah. We left the office on the 13th of March. And I, my first day was the 20th of September, which is darn close to exactly 18 months. And apart from taking forever to get my Mac updated, uh, the other thing was I went to rub out my dry wipe whiteboard. It was not mm. wiping anymore. That was, that was oh. well done. Oh, wow. <laughs> Never thought of that. Yeah. So the best trick is... Do you want to know right a little trick? Again. Yeah, you're right oh, over it that again. That was it. Yeah. I was going to say, yep. <laughs> that works when you accidentally use permanent marker too, because I've done that. Oh, why didn't know it works for that too? Yeah, same as same solvents, obviously. Anyway, since last we spoke on this show, which is a while ago because of the way the calendar worked out, so we're recording this on the, what are we, the 7th or the 8th? Oh, the 9th. Whoopsie daisies, that's even longer <laughs> than I usually leave it. Anyway, so we're well into September, but this is the show, no, we're well into October, but this is the show for September. So since <laughs> last we gathered... Um, some follow-ups. So we were talking last time about Apple's great big controversial CSAM detection thing. Well, that's on pause. Um, Apple have said that they're taking some time to have another think. Uh, the privacy, advo- privacy advocates nonetheless delivered 59,000 signed petitions. And the UK Home Secretary asked Apple to please see through the CSAM scanning. So, on the, you know, one, one on each side there. Um, we also learned a little bit more since last we spoke about Apple's digital IDs. We know that the first two places in the world to get them will be the U.S. states of Arizona and Georgia, shortly followed by Connecticut, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma and Utah, all in the United States. And the Transportation Safety Authority, or the TSA, will be deploying the readers at airports. And Apple released an awful lot of technical detail and... I am relieved to say that unlike the CSAM stuff, instead of it raising ever more questions as I read further, it answered ever more questions as I read further. And I kept on going, oh, they thought of that. Oh, they thought of that. Um, and at 
when the news broke, Apple said it was going to be an ISO standard. Well, since Apple said it was going to be, it now is an ISO standard. Ooh. So hopefully that means this is going to be a worldwide thing. And hopefully European governments, say in a little island sort of off the west of the European coast, we might uh, develop the technology soon ourselves. So uh, I think my, Alison, myself and yourself had a very detailed discussion about the uh, digital IDs on your show. Um, now, Silicast episode number is something very, very high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember talking about that. I remember being jealous that it's uh, Arizona and um, Georgia first. I, I've been very surprised to see California doesn't seem to be first on any of the digital ID kind of stuff. Seems that really curious. surprises you? Yes, because of With where glacial silicon, <laughs> but we've got Silicon Valley right here. I we're know. the ones doing the, the we're the ones doing the work. <laughs> you it. make it sound like any other states are less glacial than we are. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be a tough competition. From the outside looking in, I just always assumed that you know California must be very hip and happening technologically. And then when COVID happened, and all the other states were quicker to get tracking apps and so forth, I was mm-hmm. I was left scratching my head a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do seem to be behind. I don't. I, there seems to be a disconnect between, I think, our our tech industry and our the savviness of the politicians, at least in my mind, and a bit of a animosity between them. They they, they don't they, they aren't the darlings. I, I get the impression. But anyway, let's talk about the California politics. I'm way yeah. Way we don't under, get into that. Yeah, and I'm underqualified. So, <laughs> and Adam and I don't care. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Um, Other than I want my ID. Okay, so that's um, and Alison. Just for completeness, are you? Would you be prepared if you were offered one? Would you? Would you be comfortable with such a thing? In a heartbeat. I went to a Star Trek exhibit at the Skirball Center yesterday, and I had to show my proof of vaccination. And it's only because I had scanned it and put it inside my um, uh, one password that I had it that way and able to show them. Um, there is a way through a third-party company to get it into a wallet, but I hadn't done that yet. So it, it'd be much easier if I had a digital ID that had it. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, that was one of the few things I had to do when I got my new phone is I had to rescan my my QR code for the vaccine because mm. that was not – obviously, that was marked as being uber, uber private because the, the iPhone can mark things as being so private they're not even in your encrypted backup, and obviously that was oh. one of those. Um, because okay. I was, <laughs> I opened the COVID tracking app and it still had the whole history of where I'd been and stuff, but what it did not have was my vaccine. So, woo, <laughs> <laughs> best fix of that. Um, the other big story we talked about in quite a, quite a bit last time was the growing discontent among at least enough Apple employees to make enough noise that we could hear it outside the company. I mean, it's always hard. It's hard to tell whether you're just hearing like a one percent shouting very loudly or exactly what's going on. But for the decade or so I've been doing this show, you you didn't hear a peep. And the last few months, we've heard a lot of peeping, and that certainly continued through September. Um, the Apple two workers filed their first two lawsuits uh, under California's labor laws. Um, they wrote an open letter to Tim Cook. Um, People Chief Deirdre O'Brien tried to uh, calm things down by saying, oh, talk to your manager if you have any problems about your pay or anything else. And that didn't seem to go over very well. 
the Apple shareholders, or sorry, a subset of Apple shareholders have decided that now is the time to file a motion for their shareholder meeting next March, I think it is. Um, basically asking Apple to have a rethink about their NDAs, which is interesting. Then Apple... Non-disclosures for those listening. Indeed. Then Apple... Well, well, tried to quietly fire the employee who sort of kicked off most of the hashtag Apple II movement. So that that was classy. Um, Tim Cook tried to address pay diversity and privacy at an internal meeting, followed by an email to all employees saying that leaking will not be tolerated in a memo that was leaked, which was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I found that ironic. Um, I, I do like um, the Verge's headline. Tim Cook says employees who leak memos do not belong at Apple, according to a leaked memo. Um, and so, Apple do take know, leaking seriously now there's there's actually serious criminal charges uh, in train against an employee who was fairly high ranking and in fairness this employee was selling the information which I guess takes it to another level but you know <laughs> slightly yeah. you know, I, have, I have a strong opinion on this this and it'll be against what everyone else that okay. is yakking on the internet about it thinks and possibly both of you. I worked my entire uh, career of 35 years in a giant company. I was considered a very low level manager because my organization was only 270 people working for me. That was considered a very small organization. And salaries are are really, really tricky. And in California, at least, I can only speak to California uh, – Workers who are are unionized or hourly workers, the salaries are published in specific bands of pay, and that's what you get paid. Hmm. But when you're a non-union worker, non-hourly worker, a creative thinker, you know, engineer, whatever person, it's not. And so the people who are doing really well get paid more than the people who are not doing really well, even within a same salary grade. That said – there has been great pay disparity in the company I worked for, um, but I, I think the, one of the problems with everybody sharing their their or people sharing their salaries is you can you're, you can end up with a small subset. You can end up with a small set of data to try to judge the greater. And the people who are probably sharing it are probably the people really irritated might be making very little money, and the people making a lot of money might be very likely not to post their salaries. I, I'm not sure. There's a lot of psychological piles in there. So transparency reports at a high level are really good. What they're doing, sharing salaries with each other on internal message boards, I think that's rife with danger of misinterpretation of the data because it's maybe not data. Maybe it's anecdote. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, that, oh. <laughs> is, that is, of course, only one of the things that they're complaining about, the harassment and stuff. Uh, the anecdote. That's a whole other Oprah. Exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, no, I agree completely. There's a complete selection effect going on. Only the cranky people are sharing their salaries. So, of course, what you're seeing is not reflective. Yeah. And the thing with, okay. pay, with pay disparity, like pay gap, the gender pay gap is a very complicated thing because the factors involved with it are things like it is not normal for a for a father to take time off work when a baby is born it is normal for a mother to take time off work so that means time served is actually lower so you end up drop down the pay scale for someone the same age as you be, especially if you have like three or four kids and you've all of these oh that doesn't count in our time served if you're off to take care of a child, that doesn't change your how long you've been working in the level. But is I mean, it less likely to affect your salary because you haven't been getting the performance reviews? So you're not going to have been getting boosted up the ladder? Psychological, you know, done by your manager, yes. 
But yeah. it's not like I only have seven years experience and my husband has seven years and, and three months because he didn't take three months off for, for the baby and I did. It doesn't change that number. It changes the perception of how valuable I was. Well, and I guess it also may miss you a review when everyone else gets a pay bump, but you weren't there. To it can happen. Yeah, it can definitely happen. Uh, one of my bosses once accidentally, <laughs> he, he put out a report of uh, all of the salaries of everybody in his laboratories, which was like maybe 1,200 people. And he gave it to all of the managers, one of whom was me. So there were like eight of us who got all of this data. And what he didn't realize was he included all of our own data. <laughs> and boy, boy, did we make some little metrics and charts and find some real interesting disparity. Just what's the word? Anyway, pay inequities. Yeah, there we by go. That's gender and by, by gender and by race. Interesting. The other story that I was very tempted not to put in the show notes, but it is kind of making the news that it is related. There are some rumblings, according to Business Insider, that things are not going smoothly in the health division. Oh. I don't know if that's cranky people making a lot of noise or if there's a real problem there so stick a pin in it we may learn more in future <laughs> months but as of right now that's very wishy-washy a lot of the news sounds like uh hey newsflash there's cranky people in large organizations yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the organization doesn't have to be that large for people to be cranky uh, yeah me. i know that's what i you know, there's always you're always going to have people that are a little bit disgruntled. I mean, it's good to be critical, obviously. I mean, you don't want rampant things going on that are really, really bad. And some of these, if they're allegedly true, um, could be bad. But it's just it's interesting. Yeah. And as I can hear Alison saying the plural <laughs> of anecdote is not data. And there's a lot of anecdote. right. Um. Another big another thing we talked about a lot was the NSO group and Pegasus. So since last we um, discussed that, there has been a patch against the zero day that Pegasus was using to get on with their zero click install. So that's good. We've also learned that Germany was one of the customers of Pegasus, which is interesting. And that five French cabinet ministers had their phones snooped on by Pegasus. That's they're pretty high level people. Um, another follow-up story, which, to be honest, in any normal month. So, so did you say something, Alison? <laughs> no, I obviously. She's her lips are moving. Sorry about that. Muted myself. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> we missed each other. I thought, wow, that lag is like a minute and a half. Um, I just wanted to say the thing I thought was funny about the the uh, security patch for the Pegasus problem was that it got so much press. Mm. It was really publicized widely, and I figured out why. Because the people writing the press stuff are press stuff, and it was press people who were being uh, being targeted by the, yes. by the NSO group stuff. So regular people are like, oh, my God, this must be horrible. It's like, no, it probably wasn't you. It was the person who wrote the story who cares a lot. And the person who read the story and the... <laughs> It made like the like every morning I listen to the the eight o'clock news on Irish National Radio and it's like a three minute news broadcast. This is not a detailed discussion of the news. This is just the headlines. Second if, item: if, patch your Apple devices. They go okay. <laughs> if you want to know more about Pegasus and the NSO group, there's a great podcast called Darknet Diaries. Yes. Oh yeah. And they had a good coverage. Jack Recyder just did an amazing episode on NSO. It was actually a couple episodes, I think. It was a two part so, that celebrated. It was like, it was like two or three parter, yeah. 
I think it was 99 and 100 to celebrate his 100th episode. It was fantastic. Yeah. And a great show. Like the other the other 98 episodes are also fantastic, but you know. Yeah. Um if this were a normal month of news, I would have made the next story here a real story instead of a follow-up. But we have been following along for what feels like forever with the um, OECD's attempt to get an international minimum tax rate and to sort of get some sort of agreement on how you tax multinationals. And it's not quite a done deal because a certain large company with stars and stripes, or large country with stars and stripes on their flags haven't actually signed up yet. So, uh, you guys... Uh, but the entire European Union has now officially signed up. And one of the big holdups, one of the real linchpins of getting that to happen was this little island I'm sitting on. Um, Ireland was like the biggest of the small European countries. And a lot of other countries like Liechtenstein and all these other places with interesting tax laws were sort of hoping we'd do the running and we'd you know, lead the negotiations and get a few concessions. And then they'd all row in when we agreed well, we agreed because we got a concession. We got the word at least taken out of the treaty. So it used to say a minimum I, I don't tax. know what we're talking about, Bart. Okay. I don't understand the subject yet because I don't know what the first acronym was. OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. So this is a worldwide organization. Wow, okay. We live in an odd world here then. Maybe it's because we live in a tax haven that we know about the OECD. That might have something to do with it. I mean, I may have heard of it before, but I don't know what it's about. And I don't know what Ireland's about. And I don't know what Liechtenstein has to do with the topic. I'm I'm not, I'm completely lost. Okay, so at, right now today, an American company can route all of their money through Ireland, pay Ireland's 12.5% tax rate, and then not pay any more tax on it. Um. The OECD. So this is the thing. There was the big fight with the the uh, European Union yep. said you you should have charged us charged Apple and didn't adjacent to, but not actually in any not no not no that that was <laughs> okay. that was a whole different thing. I don't want to get into. So we have the situation where the French are very cranky because Apple make money off French people and they pay no tax to the French government because they take all the money to Ireland and then pay Ireland instead. And so the French government were going to introduce a tax on stuff that was sort of internet transactions through France. And then the Germans were going to do the same. And there was basically going to end up being hundreds of different local taxes for all these big tech companies. And it was going to be a disaster. So the OECD, who are sort of an international group of governments who work together on financy stuff, they're like the UN of accountants. Money. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're like the UN of, yeah, okay. they're very boring 99.9% of the time. They do a lot of statistics, a lot of charts and stuff for OECD charts. So they decided that the best thing to do was instead of having every country negotiate a different, every country do their own thing and cause chaos, that we should get together as the OECD and agree something. And so the idea was that there would be a minimum level of tax agreed. And it will be agreed that a certain percentage of the tax would be paid in the country the money was created in, not just in the place where the headquarters happen to be. So so Ireland would stop taking all of the tax money. Yes. And it would get distributed. So how, how wide is this OECD ruling? I mean, does this include China? I mean, Japan? Okay, so that is what is still, at the moment, there's a hundred and something countries signed up to it, but the United States oh. haven't signed on the dotted line yet. So okay. if the United States don't, this whole thing is, is a giant big nothing. Uh, but it is widely expected the United States will. They're one of the leading countries trying to make this happen. 
Um, so when America signed so up, we actually start getting tax money from big corporations that we aren't getting today. Yes. So basically, oh, okay. for Ireland, it's a swings and roundabouts, right? So we're going to get more. We're going to get fifteen percent instead of twelve and a half percent, but we're getting more of less. Smaller pie. Okay. Yeah. But but I, if if I know anything about our political environment, there's there's literally one thing everybody agrees on. It's that the big corporations ought to probably pay some tax. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I think it is a safe bet that America will sign up to this because they were one of the big drivers behind getting it negotiated. So okay, Ireland agreeing to join in unstopped a lot of small European countries who have similar tax okay. rules to Ireland. And one of the big... You're the mo- you, have the, you have the money to lose. Right. Exactly. Because we're, okay. we're, our pie is shrinking. Got Even you. if we get a slightly bigger piece of the shrinking pie. So the big thing was the treaty initially said a minimum tax rate of at least 15%, which basically left it open to the minimum coming down further in the future. And Ireland said, if you take the word minimum out, we'll sign up. They did. We did. And then we were followed immediately by all the other small European countries who had who were holding out. So the whole EU is now in. Okay. So, you know, as I say, it, it's a big deal. It, it really, 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 really made the news here. Like, really made the news here. Because the That's estimate, it. the estimate in our small little country is a two billion a year loss of revenue. Wow. Yeah, that would that would leave a mark. The big question is, if you did that, would the corporations change how and where they worked and therefore allow you to have an Apple store? <laughs> I don't think I've so. I've always wondered whether that's why you didn't have one. I, I don't believe that's why we don't have one. I think we don't have one because we're just not big enough. I fear. Except for all the money going through you. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Lots of money, lots of money, but no... Not enough Irish people buying Apple stuff, I think, is the reason for that. Here's a funny thing. I just looked up the OECD to try to understand what it was, and it, and it says that the OEC, or the United States, along with 19 other countries, signed the convention founding the OECD in December of 1960. It's been around a while. Yeah. Thereby, no, but the United States was one of the founding countries of the OECD. Mm-hmm. Sure. But we're not in the OECD? No, no. You haven't signed on to this tax plan. Oh, I caught up. <laughs> Okay. Told you I didn't know anything about it. I am now caught up. Thank you. No, that's good. And as I say, in a normal show, this would have been a main story. But you, you, you mentioned in private messaging earlier that you were keen to talk about this. So uh, I think I may yeah. have slightly promoted it to a main story. Adam, do you have anything particular to throw in here or do you think we've... Nope, I think you've covered it well. <laughs> okay, good. Um, the other it's ongoing... tax stuff. It's not exciting. <laughs> it's not exciting, but God, it it is. people. It's sure exercise the Irish, I can tell you. It was all over the news, and Apple was mentioned every two seconds. Um, the other long-running story, of course, is that Apple have Apple keep getting embarrassed by following the law in countries where the law isn't particularly just, say, like Russia. So uh, this month they had a, a so-called election, and uh, there was an app by one of the opposition leaders, therefore it obviously cannot stand, and indeed it did not stand. Apple had to withdraw the app from the App Store, and everyone shouted at Apple, and it's like, yeah, but they kind of had no choice. And then uh, a bit of good news to cheer us up. Um, I am really pleasantly surprised by how quickly the project to get Linux running on the M1 Mac is moving along. They are now describing it as quote-unquote usable, which for Linux desktop isn't bad going, to be honest. And you could argue it's not usable on Intel, but uh, I won't say that. 
So, so is that a, uh, uh, that's an AMD or not, not AMD. What is the word I'm looking for? Not, not, um, not Intel, but, ah, well, anyway, it's, it's the other version of, of like arm. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. That's an arm version of Linux that's working on M1 Max. Indeed it is, with support for Apple's various custom chips and things so that it's actually a usable laptop. They had it working off external drives at first and it couldn't use any of the graphics and stuff. So, like, it was was bootable, but not usable for quite some time. And now they're describing it as usable. You can actually access the internal storage on the Mac and, you know, use the graphics card and things like that. And one of the fun things is they've discovered all sorts of really cool implementation detail of how Apple's chips work at the really low level because they're obviously writing drivers for these things and poking and prodding and stuff. So it's actually quite a fun and interesting project. It's coming along way better than I thought it would. So that's kind of fun. And then lastly, what definitely would have been a main story if this were a normal month worth of news... Apart from macOS, all Apple's new new OSs are out. So update your phones, play along, have a great time. Lots of new features. It's all fun. But uh, we got to go. Or if you'd rather stay on iOS 14, you can, and you'll still get security updates. Indeed, which is true. Which is a new a new world, a brave new world. We can be as we can be slow with our iOS updates, like you have with our Mac updates. <laughs> I think is mostly making corporate IT happy. Yeah. In terms of legal latest, uh, just one story worthy of talking about. A federal judge has allowed a lawsuit against Apple over privacy violations caused by human review of unintentional activations of Siri to proceed. The judge did dismiss other claims that said it was unfair competition. So basically, remember that big story a while ago where Apple had to tell us that actually... We send like a tiny percentage of samples to human beings to review how Siri was doing. Oh, and we yeah, forgot yeah, to yeah. tell mm-hmm. you. Is this why Siri now says uh, when you, uh, if you dictate something, she'll come back and say, by the way, I'm going to keep listening for a minute just in case you have something else to say to me? That is part of the whole thing. Yeah. It's also why when you get your new phone it, or when you install the OS, it asks you, do you want to opt in to having some of your stuff shared for review? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. They added that setting, but now it now it's it's always been opt in. Like since they added it, right? They added it yeah. not long after the whole kerfuffle over this. And then what was yeah. nice was when they added it, they did make it opt in, not not opt out. Yeah, I mean, when they were caught with egg on their face, they did a really good job of doing the right thing, <laughs> wiping it off. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in terms of some major and acquisition news, no acquisitions worthy of talking about, but we should probably mention that the Apple Car Project, although it says Apple Care in my show notes, that's interesting. Um, Apple Car Project has had yet another change of leadership. I am I have lost count. Uh, Doug Field is off to Ford, who are doing interesting stuff in electric cars at the moment, and the head of Apple Watch, Kevin Lynch, is taking over the car group, which is interesting. And uh, I, my favorite part of this one is that the guy who uh, basically was, I think he at one point was the head of Flash or very involved mm. with Flash. Yeah. Is now running like a major project at Apple. Oh, wow. It was his second, right? I mean, he was the main force behind the Apple Watch. This has been a fantastic success. Oh, no, he's been doing a great job. I have no doubt he'll do a great job. I've been pleasantly surprised. It was a weird hire when it happened, I thought. But yeah, and it's just funny. It's just funny. Well, I guess, you know, when you're hired by a company, you you take on their 
feelings on things or their yeah. stances on things, shall we say. And then, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. just, it's amazing to see how, how things change and how, you know, corporate leadership grows and changes and stuff like that too. It's just, I just found it funny when I saw that story, it's like, wow, he's doing really great at Apple. And he was probably a hated person by Steve jobs at some point. Right. Right. And I, I remember <laughs> when he was, when he first came on stage with the first Apple watch, or the, you know, the first time we saw him, I don't know if it was the first or second Apple watch, but it was a yeah. very jarring thing. And a lot of us in the community commented on, it, and I certainly did because I was, I was vehemently anti-flash vehemently so but yeah you're right it's great to see him do so well um he's even fun on stage i quite like him yeah uh, and apple have also hired some people from mercedes for a special project wink wink nudge nudge that'll be the apple car then a uh, long-time indie developer will shipley has joined apple um i think john gruber made the joke that how do you get contacts in apple get to know a developer who's good at their job wait they will become apple employees well there we go <laughs> Uh, and then there's been a few changes in the corporate boardroom. Apple's corporate treasurer, Gary Whipfler, has retired and is being replaced by Michael Shapiro. And then four people get promoted to being a VP. Apple Gilchrist is vice president of engineering for custom silicon and battery technology, which is, he must have very small font on his business cards. Um, Eden Sears has been promoted to senior director of brand marketing, sorry, from senior director of brand marketing for iPhone and iPad to vice president of brand. Full stop. When your business card gets short, you're very important. And then two members of Craig Federighi's team have been promoted to vice president. And then finally, Time Magazine loves Apple. Well, actually, no, sorry. Time Magazine has made Tim Cook one of the most influential people. And Fortune have named Deirdre O'Brien and Lisa Jackson among the world's most powerful women. So Apple execs doing pretty well in the world of being powerful in the world. Ooh. My goodness, and then we still we're still we still haven't gotten to the main juice here. So let's quickly go through <laughs> yet again for the millionth time. Apple TV Plus has gotten more nominations. Basically, the world loves Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. Primetime Emmys won a bunch of them. Outstanding comedy, outstanding lead actor in a comedy, outstanding supporting actor in a comedy, and outstanding supporting actress in a comedy. Um Hannah Waddington there for that last one. Utterly deserved. I think she's fantastic. Um, outstanding new program at the TV Critic Awards and outstanding achievement in comedy and program of the year. All Ted Lasso. So the, the world loves Ted Lasso. Uh, LG owners, even going back as far as 2016, can now run Apple TV Plus to get their fix of Ted Lasso, as uh, I more put it. Apple Arcade continue to roll out new games. Crossy Road has arrived uh, on Apple Arcade for those three people who missed it the first time around. People who love spatial audio with head tracking can now get that on Apple Music. And Apple Maps is getting a bit of TLC. Uh, 3D is being rolled out um, pretty much immediately in London, LA, New York, San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, coming soon by the end of the year to Philadelphia, San Diego, Washington, DC. And then coming next year to Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver and others. And the Italians and the teeny weeny 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 tiny Principality of Andorra have gotten an upgrade to Apple Maps. Oh, right. That's all the preamble out of the way. We have four main stories to digest today. Lots of antitrust fun. Uh, the European Commission is messing around with chargers. Uh, Apple had a Wii event. They announced some stuff. And then it has been a decade since the passing of Steve Jobs. So I think we should, at the very least, mark that a little bit. So in terms of antitrust, last time we spoke, we had just recorded and 
basically there was a giant big nothing burger where Apple had made a settlement with developers and um, who was it I had on myself was it myself and oh who did I have on last time anyway we were just saying that it was nothing had happened and then literally while we were on air a judgment came out in South Korea actually saying that um, Apple could have the the anti-steering was no Apple could have third party stuff in other stores in South Korea so it actually happened and then we had a Japanese thing then happened early in the month where Apple agreed that the anti-steering would be gone for reader apps and then what does steering mean? Anti-steering is the thing that says you're not allowed to link to other payment methods. So that thing that okay. doesn't allow... Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's that thing I, I talk about all the time. Okay. Apple called I, I've just never I've never heard of anti-steering. I know about the other thing and about reader apps. I've just never heard it called anti-steering. And that's what Apple call it in their developer agreement. Uh, yeah, I think that's agreement. what Apple refers to it as, yeah. Yeah, I don't read the developer documentation, so I hadn't heard that. Okay. Well, there we go. So that is what that's about. But obviously the biggest change by a country mile is that we got a ruling in the Apple v. Epic case. Apple won 9 out of 10 of the points in the court case. And one of the shiniest things Apple won is that the judge said they were not monopolists, which Apple trumpeted very loudly. They did, and, and interesting enough, didn't use Apple's definition of a monopoly, and didn't use Epic's definition of a monopoly of, of which uh, environment they're not a monopoly in. She mm. came up with her own environment to talk about whether they were in a, a monopoly, which was I thought that was an interesting twist to the story. It is, and it's actually it's it's a very well it's a very well written. There's like a really 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 long eighty five page judgment, and then there's an executive summary. I read the executive summary. I did not read the 85-page document. But it's, the executive summary is, is an extremely well-reasoned and well-argued decision, in my opinion. And like Judge Gonzalez Rogers has been around the block on tech stuff. I guess when you're a federal judge in California, that happens, um, which is a long history of actually being very sensible on difficult technical matters. So I'm not surprised that this is this is a well-reasoned judgment. Um. So what and you're I'm, not just saying that because you agree with it. You're saying she has good reasoning. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I, I agree with the, I do agree with the outcome, but I also think that she came to that judgment in a very sound way, which means that it's likely to stand up to appeal quite well because it's not just on a whim. It's not based on some sort of prejudice. It's actually, you know, well argued, which is valuable, I think. Uh, what Apple did lose on was the anti-steering provision. And so... The judge also put a an injunction on Apple, blocking Apple from blocking people from steering. So anti-anti-steering, um, <laughs> just to confuse everyone. Um, a lot of the initial media coverage said it was a big win for Epic because of the injunction, but Epic didn't think so. And they probably are the best judge of this. Epic immediately were like horrified by the decision uh, and... The players of Fortnite were very cranky because Epic said that they're going to fight this instead of just, you know, agreeing to Apple's rules and putting it back in the store. I think a lot of users were rather hoping that they could play Fortnite on the Apple devices again, but that didn't happen. Well, wasn't wasn't so a piece of that was that um, Judge Gonzalez said, well, I think it was Judge Gonzalez in this case, said that uh, Apple not allowing Epic in because they violated their contract, that stood yeah, that was one of and the so nine. Apple, Apple said, won. we're not letting you back in. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so Epic immediately appealed. 
Uh, they were not happy despite what the media coverage was. And Apple immediately crowed about how we're not monopolists, yay. But they weren't happy with the injunction, obviously. It took a long time, but uh, the day before yesterday, Apple filed an appeal against the 1 and 10 they lost. Um, the, what's interesting, actually, is the substance of what they wrote to the judge. So they have said that they are working on new rules that should eliminate the need for an injunction. <laughs> so they're up to something, but they're not telling us quite what. And they've asked that the injunction not go into effect while they're working on something which they hope she will find agreeable. So that's uh, an interesting. interesting development. Ooh, yeah. And then just to add a little bit of spice to the whole proceedings, uh, Paddle, who are a, a sort of a, a service provider for sellers of smaller pieces of software. You know, when I look through my receipts, I see Paddle quite often when I buy from indie developers. Well, they've right. released an API for basically in-app purchases that aren't really in-app, but basically a way of putting a link in your app to their website. So you jump out of the app to their website is how we think it works, which they think is going to be compatible with what's been ordered in, I think, with the Japanese case and so forth. So that shall be interesting to see how all of that winds down. Meanwhile, over in so Microsoft... Here's, hang, on, hang on, on the paddle thing. So yeah. Paddle actually said how much they're going to charge. Yes. Would, do you guys agree that it's a correct statement that most apps on the App Store, like in counting them, are less than ten dollars? Um, Probably. On average, yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, the majority. I, yeah, the majority sure. are under ten dollars. And would you also, well, actually, they've said that the uh, vast majority of developers make less than a million dollars a year, right? Correct. They said it was like 97% mm-hmm. or something like that, make it less than a million dollars a year. So if you're making less than a million dollars a year, you only pay 15% to Apple, not 30%. Mm-hmm. Paddle published that for apps under $10, they're going to charge 10%. Mm. So they're only going to go from a 15% cut, cut to Apple to a 10% cut to Paddle to be outside of the App Store at inconvenience mm-hmm. to the users. I don't think they're going to gain much from Paddle. They do get. I think they get access to the users' email addresses, though. Yeah, because yeah. so the privacy stuff goes You're away. A bit. Yeah. yeah, but I think. Well, but from the developer standpoint, they have a way of telling their their customers, "Hey, there's an upgrade or whatever." You know, they they yeah. have an ability to communicate. I. Think... But it's not. It's for only a five percent reduction, or well, it's a thirty percent reduction in fee from fifteen to uh, to ten. Yeah, but I think both Paddle, I, I think the people who care about this and the people who Paddle want are the epic games of the world. Yeah, maybe. So if it's going from 30% to uh, to 15 or to 10%. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, that I'm little... curious, do, do we feel that it's bad to let consumers have a choice? I feel it's bad if we end up, it depends on it depends on how it ends up working. Because if, if, if I have to start telling my family to watch out for fraud on in-app purchases, I'm going to be cranky. Because having to explain to people that if you see it, the screen flash and you're suddenly in Safari, now you have to be on your guard because you're in the big, bad, evil internet. That would not right. be good. I don't know if that part is bad to me, Adam. I don't know if that – I see it as bad but from, from the customer standpoint. But I still have never been able to picture a model in the real world where – you walk into Walmart and you go, oh, I'm going to buy this, uh, you know, ink cartridge. And it says, right. hey, did you know you can uh, take this out of the store? And if the people who paid to have it sitting in the store and go pay the guy out on the street, there is no analog on earth like that, is there? 
Yeah, and not that I'm aware of. I only bring it up because I've discussed this many times on my show, and my general opinion is I tend to fall on the side of Apple for all the reasons that we're we're talking about. It just creates a disjointed experience. It's confusing to consumers. It's like you're going to have two different prices for a thing, and it's like if you go here, you can pay less because we're going to get charged. It's just a, it creates a a bad user experience in in my opinion, but. What I often get back from many members of my audience is that even if I had that option, I would still opt for Apple and I would still opt to pay more because all of those reasons. But then I have to argue back, you know, well, that's you. You know what's going on with Apple. You're informed. Right. Right. Uh, think about all the people who just buy an iPhone and just want to want to buy something. They, they're going to be lured by Oh, I, you mean I can save three bucks if I go over here and probably Maybe. not realize exactly like Bart said that, well, now all your information's getting shared and, and, you know, you're losing some privacy, you're losing some security, potentially, those sorts of things. So th there's a really cool app called uh, Textastic that lets you uh, copy uh, mm -hmm. text out of uh, a PDF or whatever, you know, a, a, an image, you can just grab text, really cool app. And it was on sale for, I got an email from a deal site. It was four bucks and it's normally like 20 bucks. And so I, uh, I wanted to give it to my friend Sandy. And so I thought, Oh, I'm going to go in and do that. And I went in and it was this like dodgy deal site I've never heard of. And it wanted her email address. And I just went, Wow, I'm giving her a great deal here. I'm going to put her email address. And so I backed up and I said, you know what? I'm just going to buy her a gift card to get it on the Mac App Store. And so I went to the Mac App Store and you couldn't get it for, or it was $9.99. And you can't do a gift card. You you have to, well, I forget what the other thing I had to do. I had to do it like an, an a generic Apple card. You can't give a, you can't gift an app. You can't buy it for somebody and give it to them. You can't you have do to that buy anymore? A gift not in the app store and the Mac mm. app store, you cannot. So I, I was like, okay, I got to buy her a gift card. Well, I'm not going to buy her a gift card for $10 and leave her with a gift card with a penny. That's stupid. <laughs> so I bought her a $25 gift card. <laughs> I started at $4. I gave Apple 25 because I didn't want to sell her information. Now I'm not normal. Of course, I'm an outlier and all that, but that's exactly what you were talking about. It's because I knew yeah. that that was a really bad thing to do. I didn't sell her information for four dollars uh deal i'd be inclined to not personally i'd probably be okay with doing a one-off software purchase outside maybe that'd be sort of 50 50 the bit where i am absolutely keen to stick with apple is for subscriptions i want my subscriptions in one place where i can be confident that i can see them all and cancel them all at an instance notice so i will happily pay more for my subscriptions if i can keep them all in apple now, another thing Steve brought up when we were talking about this very thing was he said, if you do a third party payment app like or payment system like a paddle, what happens to family purchases? You don't get them. Yeah, that's yeah. not a good deal at all. <laughs> from that a could actually be standpoint. a really big deal because I save myself four dollars, but I've cost myself twenty dollars because I have to buy this four times now or five times or, you know, depending on how many right. people in your family. I mean, there's only two that of is, us, so for yeah. you know, for me, I might save money, but a lot of people with bigger families, no way. Yeah, I, I, where? Yeah, that's an interesting thing because it might also depend on the developer, though, too. Because, like, I know that I have set up subscriptions that also work for iOS, and those are still family, like five licenses per thing. Oh, so. mine is mine isn't. Maybe I have Something a cheaper like subscription. Isn't it? 
I always thought it was. I'm, well, I'm only paying the 10 bucks a month and I don't, not the two, I'm not doing the two device ones, so I don't get the iOS ones, but I'm pretty sure I, I, no, I'm pretty sure I can't even use it on a second Mac. Yeah, they, 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 they've really, really locked down because I was about to become their customer and they changed the terms of service one week before I did. And now I'm not a customer. Oh, interesting. I, maybe I need to go back and review or maybe I'm grandfathered or something. I don't know. I believe it's, we're now living in a world where there are people who, who signed up before and people who didn't. And you basically have a much better deal than what is available to the rest of us. So Good on you. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess, so I'm wondering, is that a technical limitation or they just decided to do that? So like, can a developer, if you buy outside the app store, I'd be curious, could they still offer yeah. multi-licensing across a family or like, is that even possible through Apple's? Because I would imagine it's managed Apple's, through right? Apple's software, yeah. though, right? Right. You'd have to have some sort of third party thing where the app is free in the App Store. So you download it and then you have to sign into your doohickey McBlubbity Blub account to get it to work because yeah. you've signed up for four people. And you'd be interested if it's up to Apple to If it's up to Apple to write it so it's easy to get the family subscription, I'm betting they don't. <laughs> right. right. No. So, I mean, again, so this is, we come back to like, Apple's argument about like why their system's better and why it's worth a little bit more money for developers because it just offers all this convenience, all this great stuff for consumers. It creates a great experience. It's secure. Your information's secure. You know, I get why some developers don't like it, but I don't know. It's interesting. My hope is still that if Apple have their hand forced, if it becomes a case that you simply must provide third-party payment support, then I'm really, really, really hoping Apple provide APIs so that every third-party payment platform must connect into the API so that you must have an easy button to unsubscribe. Your subscription should still show up in the Apple control panel because, you know, there's a web services call or whatever. I mean, it's technologically possible to do that. and. I, Apple have no motivation to do that unless they're forced to, right? But if they are forced to, I really, really hope we manage to get it in a way that it's not a user hostile. <laughs> you don't think they would just be like, well, we want you to have a bad experience if you go outside our thing so that you'll stay inside our, you know, I, stay I inside our that wall garden? That, that's how I feel they normally operate. <laughs> I No, I don't think so. Apple generally operate on this thing that we want to make you happy enough that you're going to keep buying iPhones from us because we make a lot more money from the iPhones than we do from everything else. So... It could go either way. It really could. No, you're right. I mean, possibilities. It, 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 neither, neither argument is, is silly. Um, I'm just being really... Op- optimistic isn't the word. I, I'm basically making the prediction that I want to be future truth. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's not really a prediction, is it? But anyway, so, yeah. Uh, And there have been a few other smaller developments that I'm sure will become bigger news. In Holland, a watchdog has found that Apple's App Store payment rules are anti-competitive. But uh, the Dutch have a very different way of doing it. They communicated privately with Apple and asked them to have a good think about it. And we only found out about it two weeks later. Um, And even then, we haven't officially found out about it. So, basically, the, the watchdog have told Apple that, I think you're in trouble. Please have a think. And if no one had leaked it, Apple would have had a chance to come back with a suggested solution and so forth. But uh, it has now been leaked. So we shall see how that develops. Uh, in India, a non-profit group called Together We Fight Society have filed an antitrust lawsuit against Apple over their App Store cut. Um, and the Italians have decided that iCloud's terms of service are illegal under European law. So a good month for Apple in terms of... Um, what, what part do they feel is illegal? <laughs> 
I don't even remember. I know that Apple got in big trouble for not offering the two years legally mandated by Europe before. And that was the Italians who drug them over the coals for that. Um, what are they? That's com- the two year warranty stuff. The two year warranties are that, to be honest, it's kind of thanks to the Italians being cranky that all of Europe, including Ireland, got that. So that, that was right. kind of good. Um Ready to take an issue with Apple's business behaviors in the past. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, no, I'm, I couldn't be bothered reading any further. Um, <laughs> because I want Here to move go. on to our second yeah. main story here. The European Commission have finally, finally, after a decade of trying to get here, the Commission have published their proposed directive to mandate a single charge port for all mobile devices. That charge port shall be USB-C. There's actually four things they're mandating. Um, They're calling it a harmonised charging port for electronic devices. So your USB-C will sync to you in perfect harmony. And they're also harmonising fast charging technology to help prevent different producers unjustifiably limiting the charging speed. So basically, there's going to be rules around what you can call fast charging. It has to be, if you don't go a certain speed, you're not fast. Uh, they're also mandating. Why are they worrying about this? <laughs> that's what the European Commission do. Yeah. Um, when they started, that... in fairness, a decade ago when they started, there were 30 different chargers. Now there are three. And a journalist actually asked the commissioner whether surely from 30 to three means that the market has solved this problem. And he went, no, three is too many. <laughs> well, like, my, favorite, no. my favorite part about it is they're standardizing on USB-C, but uh, everybody has two years to implement it. So no, no, it's, two not, years, it's more like, than two is years. Is USB-C going to be what people want? It's two years after both the Parliament and the Council of Ministers approve right. this proposed directive from the Commission. And the other thing, I've, I've triple checked the proposal does not contain a mechanism for updating the standard. They're basically <laughs> declaring this to be fossilised forever. That is daft. I have already written to my European members of Parliament, telling them my opinions and asking them to Good vote against you. this nonsense. And I urge every so, other European to do the same. So when I had my work hat on that I was referring to earlier, I was uh, part of a group of people who were looking at standardizing the engineering workstation vendor that we were working on. And uh, this group wanted to, this guy, Tim, wanted to start this this group to try to look at standardizing down to one vendor. And I managed to extricate myself from the team and never participate in it because it did exactly what I expected it to do. They took two years to decide between HP, Dell, and IBM they came out with a recommendation, 100% going to IBM, and the following week, IBM sold their laptop business to China. <laughs> we were a defense contractor. Oh, brilliant. And brilliant. the answer was, never mind, we're not having a standard. I mean, it was like two years of <laughs> weekly meetings of 20 people, and I was, I just laughed my head off. It's like... Yeah, but well, that is the and the other wonderful one is that someone said, "Yeah, but you're preventing innovation." And the answer from the um, from the commissioner was, "I mean, there's no reason you can't put two charge ports on." And I'm thinking, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, and the the other the other nice thing is that I believe it doesn't do anything to uh, cover wireless. So. Correct. My assumption would be no. Apple's answer would be fine, no ports. Oh, you <laughs> yeah. think you're dead charging. Right. <laughs> Wait, but maybe it says you have to have USB C. No. no, it doesn't. It doesn't. No. 
It actually oh, doesn't. Okay. It actually explicitly dis- it doesn't cover magnetic connectors. Yep. See, they, they future-proofed it. Mm, mm. No, it, the, the fact... Which then becomes a real inconvenience for consumers, though. Like, you want a port on there for diagnostics, for different things. Like, there's, there's valid reasons to have a port. Right. I mean, we are down from 30 to 3, and one of those is on the way out because Android World... So, basically, it's, it's Lightning, USB-C, and micro-USB. Or nano, mini, micro, yep. micro, micro. Yeah, micro. Yeah. Um, and micro's on the so way out. Really lightning, and mi- lightning and micro should go away, and it should be USB-C, but they should have decided that two years ago and said, okay, and then we'll look at it again when it becomes a problem again. Right. And the thing is, if they had gotten their way nine years ago when they started this, it would have been USB, it would have been micro USB that would have become the yeah. fourth standard forever. Oh, Imagine <laughs> the frustration of that stupid port becoming forced on everyone. Ugh, that gross. So the whole thing Gross. is nuts. Absolutely <laughs> Wait, nuts. And I, If I you're have... taking a quote from this episode of Let's Talk Apple no- number 97, Adam Christensen says, gross. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely... Micro USB it's, is nasty. <laughs> it really, really, really is because it, it's not reversible. It's finicky. They break because they're spring-mounted. Exactly. They're not waterproof. All the inconvenience of USB-A flipping it back and forth with none of the ability to tell which way it's directed. Right, unless you have the world's best microscopes for glasses. Oh, such a hostile format. Terrible. Yeah, so basically I'm really, really, really hoping that either the Parliament or the Council of Ministers tell the Commission to go pound sand on this one. I, I, I think you I, had the right answer Right answer at the beginning. I mean, the industry has solved this problem. You know, we're going to be to two ports in no time. And then really the only holdout is Apple with Lightning. But I think people prefer them keeping Lightning around because people have a gazillion accessories that use that. So right, if your argument is this prevents away? waste, forcing everyone <laughs> to throw away all of their Lightning stuff they've been p- picking up for the last decade since Apple last changed their connector to great, 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 great shouting and screaming by people. But you'll notice Apple is future-proofing by making them lightning on one end and their USB-C on the other end, and the chargers are going USB-C. Right, because the so, thing the no. thing Apple actually said was that because uh, one of the things the European Commission was initially toying with was only mandating it on the other side, on the non-device side, chargers. mandating that to oh, okay. USB-C, and Apple were on board with that. But sure. then they went, no, 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 both sides, <laughs> both sides. And they said, oh, so close, so close. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, and the other thing is they're also mandating that you not bundle uh, the charger with the device, which is interesting because Apple just got fined in Brazil for not bundling the charger <laughs> with the device. <laughs> so, yeah. They also awesome. had, to cl- had to include headphones in France. Yeah, a separate box yeah. because it, to do with not giving children radiation because that absolute science-free nonsense about cell phone radiation managed to make its way into French law because why think about things? Anyway, so yeah, I think we have uniform feeling on the panel on this one and we're all hoping it doesn't come to pass and it is still two steps away from becoming a law and even then it won't be a law, it'll be a directive but that's, let's not go into that can of worms. <laughs> so the big thing then is Apple's California streaming event. Basically, um, we got Fitness Plus getting more countries and more workouts. We got the Apple Watch Series 7 with a bigger display, but very little else changed. Your bands will still fit, which is the bit I was listening for. Um, mm-hmm. We have the entry-level iPad has gotten a faster chip and has gone from or has gone to 64 gigs of storage at the base. Um, Apple have refreshed the iPad Mini with a substantial update to give it that modern look, um, like the iPad Pro. Um 
style of support, nice screen, very powerful. And uh, if you look really, 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 really carefully, it doesn't quite update its scrolling in exact lockstep because no LCD device does. But it's jelly scrolling. Not all of them do that, Bart. Hmm? That's widely publicized, but I can't see it doing that on mine. Right, because you actually have to slow it down into slow-mo to capture it, to put it on YouTube to get lots of clicks. Okay. Yeah. And it's not in any of the reviews. Yeah, it's not in the reviews because the reviewers didn't see it either. If you, if you want to see it, I think uh, there is the slow-mo guys on YouTube have done it. With oh, no, I've, I've seen it, but I thought it just wasn't happening to mine. You're saying it's happening on all of them, but you can only see it if you put it in super slow-mo? Yeah, correct. I mean, it happens, right, on, su- it happens on your iPad uh, Pro, but because it has ProMotion refresh rate, you're not going to ever see it. I see. I see. But it, you're right. This, the uh, slow-mo guys on YouTube are worth watching no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is fun. But yeah, this is... This is a, a scandal in a teacup, um, as so many things are. And then, of course, the, the, the big one we all knew was coming was the iPhones 13. Four flavors, mini, regular, pro and pro max. Um, really, it's the photographer's update um, and people who like colors. Um, the We have a 3X telephoto. We have a macro mode. We have the amazingly magical... Um, cinematic mode for the video where it automatically does gaze detection and stuff to, to, to pull focus, etc. Like as if you're in a movie. It's a little bit thicker, a little bit heavier. It's got, um, for the pro models, you have ProRes coming, which is a pretty big deal for people making like, you know, real movies on it and stuff. Did you hear that uh, Filmic Pro has come out with ProRes for the uh, iPhone 13 Pro already? I it's not in the show notes, but I do remember hearing it now that you say it. Yeah. Yeah. So really. I hope you bought a terabyte. <laughs> I did. I did actually. I, I was in two minds as to whether to go with a, with a smaller or a larger disc um, on my f- disc. As if they're discs. Um, <laughs> more store, more memory on my phone. And I decided to go more um, because I'm not going to take less photos and videos, am I? Let's be realistic. Nope. I, I and you're not going to look at that lower quality. Sorry. No. No. Mine, because I have iCloud Photo Library, it doesn't matter. I went smaller. I went to 256 because I can. It doesn't matter how big my phone is. I have iCloud Photo Library. As long as I don't do that ProRes video thing, of course. I was going to say, <laughs> and depending on how close you are to how good of an internet. Because if you're, if you're away on holidays up a mountain somewhere with no internet, then all of a sudden everything is backing up on your phone until it can sync to that cloud. Yeah, it still leaves me a lot of space. I mean... Just I'm, not, do I'm not bumping up against it. Oh, yeah, the ProRes thing. Yeah, the, that, I'm not going to do that, probably. I'm not. Yeah, that's it, like you twice. said, it's, it's the photographer's update. Yeah. And the can, biggest controversy, can, the biggest thing wrong with these phones is that it jumps in and out of macro mode automatically, but we're getting a button in the next version of iOS. That That is the biggest <laughs> quote unquote problem with these devices. I will say that because it switches, it switches when it goes into macro, it switches to the Ultra-wide angle or the the wide angle? It's the ultra-wide now. Ultra-wide. I have found in the real world, taking pictures of flowers in particular, in in even a mild breeze, it's unusable. It is constantly, because every time the wind blows the flower away, (laughs) it jumps the lens. And then the flower blows back and it jumps the lens. I have had fabulous success with it in wind. 
just yesterday there was uh, there was a, a flower a set of little bitty tiny flowers like a quarter the size of your your pinky nail and they were they were moving maybe three or four inches at a time flying back and forth and I captured a gorgeous photo using w- the macro. Were they in such a way that even when the flower you wanted moved away, there was still bush close to the phone, so the phone didn't think there was nothing no. close. No, there was. It was flowers on the end of a branch pointed at me. Okay, and they were moving. They were moving crosswise, and I, I got into the rhythm with it to some extent. I got one blurry photo and one excellent photo, and it was a lot of wind. I am. I am one for four. In trying to use okay. it in the real world. Well, maybe I only got my one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I do have a plea to make to Apple's brilliant, amazing camera engineers and the guys that do the image signal processing. Guys? The guys? Guys and the gals. Pe- I say people. Yeah, I'm sorry. I use guys as a just general yeah, it thing. And I need to probably it change isn't that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the people. The folks. How about we use folks? folks? Yep. The folks at Apple, the brilliant folks at Apple, the brilliant engineers at Apple, designers and stuff like that that build that silicon and build that software and stuff like that. Can can they give me a digital zoom that doesn't make everything look like watercolor? Hmm. Oh, that, that weird. I know the weird effect you're talking about. Yeah. Once you get past optical zoom, digital zoom has been forever garbage and like. There's got to be an engineering I think like, Samsung solution does that better. Not, like horrible. Google, I believe, I playing, do it really good. Google are using pixel was, binning and AI to do it really well. I was uh, so it's hanging possible. out with Rob Dunwood and had his his uh, Samsung S20, and he thought he had a 10x optical zoom, <laughs> and it wasn't. And I, well, I took some pictures, and it it looked pretty good. And I'm thinking this can't be 10x. It simply can't be. Right. And it turned out it was it was I think it was 5x maybe. Uh, so it did have a periscope lens in it, but he thought it was because it was that good. Yeah, Apple are not that good. <laughs> the, the, so bring up the watercolor thing. Um, when when you do a, a macro photo, have you noticed that the stuff in the background does look kind of watercolory? There'll be like a double edge to to branches and things that are going farther away from that are out of focus. I haven't, but I haven't done a lot of macro photos yet. Yeah, I was going to say I yeah, one for four, so peep. my one was fine. <laughs> yeah. Pixel peep those photos and see what you think. See if you see that because it's, it's a real weird effect. It's like if it's a, a white edge on the edge of a leaf or something, there will be a double line. I wonder, I, that reality is. I wonder if that's similar to the cinematic video stuff has a similar kind of problem. Um, they do, it does a really pretty good job, but like at certain points of stuff's moving, you almost get like a fuzzy halo ghosty kind of effect around the subject that is sharp and in focus, but right where it starts to blur, it'll kind of fluctuate a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. It's, um, on the whole, it's a darn impressive camera and with a little bit more software tweaks, it's going to get even better. Uh, I forgot to put in the show notes, but uh, Austin Mann took it to Tanzania. Um, and he was able to do some pretty darn amazing work with the, with those phones, uh, both video and some really quite amazing stills. Um, and one of the, actually, it was interesting because it was sort of a mix of shiny, shiny footage and him talking uh, and video of him using the phone to do stuff. And one of the things he was saying he always plays with every new iPhone is to shoot into the sun to see how different its flares are. And he likes the flare on the 13. It is a nice flare because apparently it has a bigger aperture. Right. Um, 
I have found the 3X telephoto to be a game changer for me because mm-hmm. that 2X was just not enough. <laughs> just not enough. But that extra that extra one has made a big difference for me. Um, it is about two years I've been trying to get a photograph of the seed heads of bulrushes on our local canal. They grow in the canal just far enough that I could probably maybe get a photo with the iPhone 12, but I would probably get very, very, very wet. And I was out walking this morning and I just snapped it with a 3X and it was perfect. And I was in no oh, danger nice. whatsoever of going for a swim. So yep. the lenses are huge, to... though. Sorry. No, it, it, yeah, they are big. I don't know that I would really have noticed it that much, though. Okay, I, mean, I don't it, have the phone wobbles on the desk. Yes, you don't use a leather, an Apple leather case, which now has a giant bump on it to protect those lenses that stick oh. out super far, so it won't lay flat on the desk anymore. Well, my clear, cheap clear case also wobbles, so. Yeah. It's. I mean, I, I've never put cases on my phones, and I'm used to them wobbling a bit. But this one wobbles a lot. <laughs> uh, here's a question. Yeah. Um, something I didn't know until maybe a year and a half ago was that if you're partway between the two zo- uh, zooms, like if you go from between 1X and 3X, if you go to 2X, that that's a digital zoom? Is that true? Well, yes. Well, yes-ish. Right. It's basically it takes all the physical data that's available to it and interpolates. So it's using data from both sensors and whatever pixels it has data for, it will use them. And whatever is so for some of the field of view, it's going to have more data than for others. So you're going to get it's going to have an easier time filling stuff in, say, in the center where both lenses are covering it. But the stuff near the edge of the frame will be of a lower quality because it has to do more math. But it, it it's I mean, it's. Computational photography. It? computational photography is what it is. Um, so it's taking all the data it can and using algorithms to generate your image. So would you avoid using it? I prefer to click between the 0.5, the 1, and the 3. But I, I'm not opposed to it if needed. But I, I just find it easier in the field to just click on one of those three buttons. So if you wanted to be zoomed up more than one, but less than three, you'd take it at one and then then just crop it yourself? Yeah, because a lot of the time I'm shooting stuff that's pretty fast moving. You know, it's I just need to be quick and I, I just find it easier instead of fiddling around with the zoom and my framing and then I'll accidentally crop something out. So I kind of prefer to go too, too wide, to be honest. With few exceptions, too, you can move forward or backward. Well, you can walk. That is true. Yeah, the good old uh, foot. Yeah, zoom. well, no. There's a lot of cases where that's not going to do you any good. Like my bulrushes, right? Where zooming by foot would get me wet. You couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't worry about it, Alison, because the Apple's computational photography is so good. It's certainly not something I'd stress about. Okay. Well, good. I will stop stressing. I was stressing. No, definitely don't. I, I, the 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 stuff going on in those digital image D, I, image signal processing chips D, D, DS, yeah. DSP and ISP yeah, ISP those chips are doing amazing stuff absolutely yeah. amazing stuff and they're really bloody good at it and Apple Apple is really leading the ball here so yeah don't worry about it uh, let the phone let the phone do the phone <laughs> thing it it that knows was my- what it's at. Yeah, that was my point on if they could just improve that stuff on the 
past three X or past two mm. X digital z- or optical zoom. Like I think they technically can. I don't know why they haven't tackled that one yet. It was just baffling to me. I'd never thought about and, it. I'm, I agree with you, Adam. Yeah. It, and so then the other thing on on your two X thing though, Allison, like have you been able to tell? <laughs> no, but I somebody told me I was doing it wrong. <laughs> so then you don't need to stress. <laughs> there was someone on. Maybe the I internet. should take some photos and do it. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I heard someone else complaining that when they pixel peeped, it wasn't they didn't like the noise algorithm when zoomed into a hundred percent. And I'm thinking, and you're going to look at it at a hundred percent when it's twelve right. megapixels. <laughs> when are you ever looking at a hundred percent? What if I want to print it out big? Are you going to stand with your nose against a big photograph, or are you going to look at a big photograph from a little bit further back? Your field of view <laughs> is your. You know what I haven't tried yet that I really want to do is you can do apparently you can do macro slow mo. But I need to oh go find God. a bug. Ooh, yeah. Okay, that I, I didn't know. I now have to find an excuse. I need to find something that moves fast and close. A pond and a, 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 pond and a, pedal, a pebble and hope you don't splash the phone very much. Yeah, but it's waterproof. Well, why, the waterproof, yeah. Ooh. Water resistant. Well. Yeah, trust me, Alison, they're waterproof. Proof. I live in Ireland. It's winter. They're oh. waterproof. <laughs> um, and then really... The ultimate, ultimate example of first world problems, my biggest complaint, my genuinely biggest complaint about this phone is that the blue on the Pro model is not blue. It's just silver with a token, just enough blue to call it blue, but not enough blue to make Bart even vaguely happy. I think it's fabulous. Sierra blue. I think it's beautiful. Like I say, first world problems, but I was very it's disappointed. Kind of, a, kind of a gray blue. It looks beautiful with my... Uh black cherry leather case ah it's so pretty i love it that's the first time i've gotten a blue phone i'm just happy not to have gray or black i've tried most i had the the olive green one i had the dark blue one the olive green one wasn't green enough the dark blue one wasn't blue enough (laughs) this blue one isn't blue enough oh really i i like i liked the blue on the 12 i think a little bit better than this one but this one's it's got its own charm i've heard too the same thing about the gold though that the the gold one is basically like silver sort of with a yellow silver with a spit of gold yeah that (laughs) i'm worried about that color not looking good it's like starlight starlight is what it's called starlight yeah, and basically, the lower-end phones get these amazing colors, and the Pro stuff just gets these washed-out colors, and I wish someone would tell Apple that people who like Pro phones are childish. I'm childish. I want a Pro phone. I want it in the <laughs> luminous, brightest blue you can muster up, please. Take, you know, in fact, I'll take it in orange. Take, take your Learest highlighter pen and give me it in that color. <laughs> anyway, first one. Maybe that would work on your phone. Yeah, I mean, I'm always losing the darn thing, so, you know. Just, you know, highlight, take a highlighter to that thing, see what happens. Yeah, the resale <laughs> value will be great. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, if that's my worst complaint about a new phone, I think Apple have done all right. Any other final it's, thoughts before I move us on? No, I mean, it, they're they're really nice. I mean, I can honestly say, though, coming up from a 12, like, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. In, unless you really care about the photography stuff. I don't think there's huge reasons to upgrade on this one if you have a 12. I only upgraded because I was told. I was instructed to upgrade by my better half, which is a wonderful <laughs> thing to have happen. But he's been using my old original 10. Mm-hmm. And it has finally reached the end of its useful life. The The microphone has stopped right. working. So unless you have headphones on, you can't answer the phone. <laughs> Little things like that. <laughs> and he basically went, yep. I want your nice dark blue iPhone 12. You're buying a new phone. 
I was like, okay. Oh, darn. <laughs> oh, gosh. Whatever shall I do? So, yeah. Um, though he is getting the Watch 7 um, because he's running on my old Apple Watch 4. So mm. I think he's due that upgrade. So he gets the, I get the shiny new iPhone. He gets the shiny new Apple Watch. Yeah, not a bad thing. I do have to say, I did, I did uh, iPhone upgrades for the first time. Steve and I did upgrades. We had never done that before. We'd always sold things on the, you know, to friends and family mm-hmm. and done mm-hmm. flow downs and everything. And we, uh, I was, I was really pleased with the process and the, and the price. The uh, iPhone 10 was worth 200 bucks. That's not bad. I don't, I don't know that I would have gotten 200 bucks selling it. Might've gotten 250 maybe, but I got a box delivered, stuck it in and sent it back and they gave me $200. Yeah, I've been doing the recycling because I always flow my my devices down. But when you flow devices down, one does fall off the end. But it's usually yeah. a very, 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 very old device. And you still get usually something for it. And worst case scenario, yeah. it's ethically recycled. They never yeah. charge you for it. So worst case scenario, it's free disposal of electronic waste. <laughs> here's here's those ones that fall off the end. <laughs> it's funny well, I, end up, I end up with piles of them I realized I had never sold any of my Apple watches I had a zero uh, uh, I didn't I can't find the three it's lost somewhere a zero a two a four a five a six and I'm getting the seven so I finally said okay I'm just going to start trading them in and I got I think I got a hundred bucks for the uh, series four yeah so oh. I have the, I have my olive green 11 to trade in um, to get recycled, and I have an iPhone 6s that I found. <laughs> it's like I keep all these boxes. I should throw that box out. Why is this box so heavy? Oh, there's an iPhone in it. <laughs> yeah, mine mine gets recycled down though for four years, so yeah, it's four years before they fall off the end. So sure, but you'd be surprised what they're worth. And worst case scenario, they're ethically throw recycled. The... Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And yes, we all know you could get more if you went to another company and blah, 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 and eBay, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to hear it. Oh, you're saying Apple will give me money for these? Yeah. Well, it depends on what they are. But like I said, the iPhone oh, 10 like was iPhone 200 10, bucks. I think. 200 11. bucks. If, oh, an 11, 11? That's a lot more. I don't know. Yeah, you'd be pleasantly surprised, Adam. Um, and I think this other one's a 6 or 6S. It's a 6S. And that's still Allison worth something, Adam. The process is really good. Like, the, okay, I'll have yeah, to they, check it out. Yeah. yeah, I will take your advice. I'd never Learned done it before. Today. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that brings us on then to our fourth story, which is it. It is on the one hand, it seems like forever since Steve Jobs was running Apple, and yet it's only been ten years, and it's already been ten years. I, I, it's it's very. I, I'm finding it a very strange anniversary uh, because it does feel like forever ago that day when we, when, you know, we all got the news and we, the pictures of people with candles outside Apple stores and stuff. And I, I distinctly remember being a lot more moved than I thought I would be. But it yes. seems like forever ago. I was, I was really surprised. I mean, it, it, I, and the thing that surprised me more than how much it hit me was the sympathy from my coworkers. People started yes. streaming into my office telling me how sorry they were for me. Like, yes. Wow, <laughs> why did I, and, and that made me sadder yet. I actually went home. I mean, it was, it was really, really emotional, and I did not expect that. It was just a CEO of a big corporation, right? The people who mock me mercilessly for being an Apple fanboy came up like, I think someone brought me a cup of tea. Oh, wow. 
That gives me chills, Bert. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was really touching because, like I say, in normal times, they mock me mercilessly, you know, which is which is <laughs> its own kind of fun. But, you know, it, it's sort of interesting when you think, would you have thought a decade ago that Apple would be making the single best CPUs on planet Earth kicking Intel's butt? You can't yeah. imagine that. You know, it, it's... No. I never the, saw that. The only, the, the only thing that um, I, I feel good about talking about was there was all the conversation about, well, what's going to happen to Apple now? You know, Apple's doomed. Apple's this. Apple's that. Yeah. You know, Tim Cook can't handle it or it's not going to be the same. And I remember Steve Jobs would never do that. I remember doing a podcast saying, and I just said, it's going to be Tim Cook's Apple and it's going to be a different Apple and it's just going to be amazing for different reasons, you know, like, and that turned out to be very much true, I think. Well, right, I think because we expected when... it to be really efficient and, and really mechanically delivering on its promise, but that the promise would be smaller, that the, that the amazing delight wouldn't be there. Interesting. And then you pick up an M1 Mac and I don't get that <laughs> feeling at all, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's amazement. It's, I mean, I was sort of thinking yeah. about it, right? So who are, who are the people we knew in Steve Jobs' Apple? You had obviously Steve, you had the partnership of Steve and um, Johnny Ive. Johnny Ive. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Schiller then was, was the other big personality. He's now stepped back to the point we haven't seen him in, in ages. Um. The you know the people now who are driving things are the Craig Federighi's of who I hadn't even heard of back then. Right. So I mean, this is a completely different Apple. You're Kevin Lynch's, you know, and it's a whole change of the guard. But the Apple Watch Series Seven is just as Johnny Ive looking a, a watch. Sorry, it's just as mm-hmm. Apple looking a watch as anything Johnny Ive would have done. Those M one. MacBooks, they're not lesser Macs. In fact, if anything, they're more Macy Macs than any Mac we've had in ages, <laughs> right? Well, you can give part of the credit to to Steve Jobs for what he built in terms for for an egomaniac like he was. It was surprising to me that he built a, a structure inside his company for people to have a pipeline of of next level executives and to teach the culture of the company and stuff. So he he built something that would build more amazement. You know, yeah. it didn't build more. It didn't create more Steve Jobses, but it created people who could create amazing products. Right, Apple, Apple U or Apple University, and yeah. is it because he he had a brush with his own mortality before he actually had a second, you know, final brush with his own mortality? I mean, well, when you see his Stanford address, it was clear that he he had been forced to think about the fact that life was finite while he still had five years or something left. Mm. So, and the other thing that always struck me, uh, particularly came out in the Isaacson biography, is that Steve Jobs was horrified by how badly Disney went off the rails when Walt died, because the company didn't prepare, mm-hmm. and everyone was perpetually asking what would Walt do, but of course no one had the crystal ball to know what Walt would actually do, and so it ends up like a religious argument. Well, I think Walt would do this, but I think Walt would do that. Well, I knew Walt better than you. And at no point is anyone going, what's best for Disney today? Mm. And Steve Jobs was adamant that Apple should never do that. And he told Tim Cook, apparently, directly, do not ask what I would do. Do what you want to do. And he has. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I think 
I, you know, naysayers be damned. I think Tim Cook's Apple is a nice place. It is. Okay. Um, I I feel I may have been hugging this topic a bit. But anyone else feel anything they wish to contribute? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, I think we're I think we're all a bit. Uh, it's a difficult topic, strangely. Even a decade later, I'm getting back all those memories. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to finish up with some quick stories. The first one should bring uh, a smile to Alison's face. iWork has got pivot tables. Last. My next screencast online <laughs> tutorial will be about adding, doing pivot tables in, in uh, numbers. The time I had to could... ask this week on my show if it was still called iWork. I didn't know what to call pages and numbers. No, it actually, it's actually is it still really? is. You go to apple.com slash iWork. Wow. Still, okay. it's still iWork. I like Somebody else suggested, suggested pink <laughs> pages, numbers, keynote, which I thought was clever. I like that, actually. That is a good name. Yeah. Better than office. Um, I actually just went on a half day training course in pivot tables in Excel the day before Apple announced pivot tables in uh, numbers. Ooh. There you go. Oh, how fun. Yeah, I, I really was thinking of you pretty much the entire morning of the course. <laughs> I understand why you adore pivot tables so much. They are quite powerful. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Yes. Um, Apple Care Plus has gotten a little bit cheaper to fix the back of your iPhone 12 or 13. You can now get it for $29 should you, you know, have a caseless iPhone and drop the back of it. Um, the UK and Australia get Apple Care Plus theft and loss protection. Uh, the French, Italians and Spanish get Apple Care Plus renewals. Uh, the Americans who have Apple cards can have advanced fraud protection. Um, I say Americans because I desperately want Irish people to get Apple cards, but no joy yet. Mm. Apple have redesigned the iCloud webmail app. Um, no bad thing. Oh. oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, it's official. Those of us who are paying for any amount of iCloud, in other words, anything beyond free iCloud, we have now been automatically updated to iCloud Plus. We got emails to that effect from Apple. It's just largely a rebrand. That email cracked me up. We gave you this for no extra cost. I paid for a full family plan, the Apple One, for all of my family and for an extra two terabytes. No <laughs> extra cost. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, we have an updated MagSafe leather wallet, which apparently has Find My Smart, so it now will record in the Find My where where you disconnected the wallet from your phone. So I guess sort of the instead last... of making it not fall off, they'll tell you where it fell off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is yes, that is the cynical view of it. Yes, and I have seen that expressed quite a bit online. Uh, Beach have launched a new limited edition Studio 3 headphone. Find My Support has rolled out to the AirPods Pro and AirPods Max. And firmware updates are bringing Conversation Boost to the AirPods Pro. Now we've had two small tweaks to the App Store. The Report a Problem button is back. It's at the moment in some stores, but it's rolling out to more. And uh, apps that let you create an account are going to also have to let you delete said account. And the deadline for developers to implement that is February next year. And the last story then is, you know, mark the date. For those of you interested in such things, Apple's Q4 earnings call will be October the 28th, just in time for Halloween. Right. That is a very, very chock-a-block month's worth of Apple news all wrapped up in a neat little bow. 
Thank you ever so much for your help with doing so. Um, in uh, reverse order, for those five people on planet Earth who don't know what other podcasts you do, Adam, do you want to let the good listeners know where they can hear more of your great work? Yeah, sure. I do a, a podcast called The MacCast about all things Apple and Macintosh. You can find that at uh, maccast.com or you can just check it out in your favorite podcast app. Excellent. And Alison, for those two or three people who don't know, you know, the, like, who follows me and doesn't follow you? But anyway, for those few people who follow me <laughs> but don't follow you, let them know where they can find you. We're joined at a hip there. Uh, my website is podfeet.com. The, my mainstream Apple show is the NoSillaCast podcast. I think I might be the second st- oldest still running uh, Apple podcast after Adam, but I'm not sure. No, I'm going to give it to you. You, you have to, you are absolutely positively in that small small handful of original yeah. apple podcasters definitely we were the og allison yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you have religiously never missed a show which is kind of impressive Honestly, yeah that's, kind of. that's the crazy part 16 plus years without missing an episode yeah and i say kind you of i mean spectacular one? what's that you haven't taken a break and skipped one no, there was there right after I it. first started, I skipped one uh, like on the after four shows, I, I stopped. And then once I started back up again, I never I have never missed an episode. Now, technically, I have not always been the host of the show. Bart stood in for me once or a couple of times. And uh, Alistair Jenks has done it. Katie Floyd did it. Uh, the SMR podcast guys did it. So it's uh, it's yeah, been the it's RSS been feed running. had a weekly contribution and most of them have been Allison. But. You know, there have been a few others, but Mine yeah, every ended week. up being almost weekly. Yeah, you're pretty consistent. Sixteen yeah. years. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Did, there's always. I always feel there's something wrong when my podcatcher doesn't show me Adam once a week. It's like, hey, what's going on? But yeah. <laughs> anyway, you always come back, so that's the important thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. So you can find me at bartb.ie and I was supposed to plug the show before I plugged myself. So uh, you will find full show notes at lets-talk.ie. Uh, basically, every news story that informed my thinking on this month's news is over there. It's a long list of stories. Um, when you're done reading the stories, there's a uh, section in the sidebar called Support the Show. I want to thank everyone who has done or is considering doing it or ever, you know. Those of you who support the show are amazing because there are no advertisers. It's just you. The reason this show exists is because you guys rock. You can support the show on Patreon. Pledge a small dollar amount. It will be exactly two shows a month. One Apple, one photography. Or you can make a one-off PayPal donation, which helps me buy new gear and stuff like that. Again, you can also support the show in other ways by simply telling your friends about it. Tweeting about the show. Apparently, there's a thing called Facebook that you can post about stuff to. Do that. Yeah, I know. If you happen to be there, talk about the show there. It's great. Anyway, let's just talk at .ie. You'll find me at bartb.ie. And until next month, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. This is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast. 
the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security, and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network 